Good evening, super friends, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Geico Podcast. My name is Neil, I am your regularly scheduled host, and I am joined by my good friend and colleague, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. He's not feeling very good today. He's got a wisdom tooth coming through. She's a bit sad, aren't you? I'm like one of those cartoons. Like a cartoon bug bunny with the towel wrapped around his head. Because <laughs> of a sore tough. Because of a sore tough. Aww. We'll try and make it easy on you. I'll do all the talking, shall I? Yeah, makes a change. <laughs> Thanks. Well, in which case, do you want me to ask you what we're telling the good folks at home about this week? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, well, what are we telling the good folks at home about this week? I well, know you said you were going to do it. I know. I said, Shall I, am I going to ask you? And you said, yes, please. Oh, I wasn't listening. Oh, it starts so well. Well, the last time we were here, we were telling you specifically about Star Trek Picard. We did a special Star Trek Picard episode that you can listen to now. This week, we're back to a bit more of our normal format. So we're going to cover some news. Then we've got some reviews to do for you. And uh, then instead of having a discussion topic, I thought, you could tell everyone about how funny it was trying to watch me roller skate at the Birds of Prey event before we saw the film. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we'll just dive on headfirst, shall we, into the news. First up on the news is something that is maybe not the happiest of topics but certainly one that's on the forefront of everyone's mind at the moment, which is uh, Birds of Prey's opening weekend box office. The film didn't do quite as well as uh, we had hoped, did it? Uh, Going into its opening weekend, it was estimated that it was going to make somewhere between 50 and 55 million in North America. Those sources, I say in air quotes, from Warner Brothers uh, had put that figure much closer to around the 45 million mark. It ended up coming in at 33 million, which is obviously quite a bit below estimations. Internationally, they were looking at it making another 50 to 60 million. Uh, It came in somewhere around uh, the 50-ish mark, and it was a worldwide opening weekend of 81 million, where at one point we were looking at it making somewhere between 110 and 120. So it's, it's not landed at the box office as well as, I think, most people had kind of hoped apart from those wonderful internet naysayers who hopefully are not listening to this podcast uh who would complain that this film is woke or some other ridiculous terminology that we have absolutely no time for here because uh spoiler alert for our review it's kind of an awesome film you're not someone that pays too much attention to box offices you just go watch a film and you like a film or you don't like a film um but considering you really liked this, were you disappointed to find out that it didn't do as well as maybe Warner Brothers were hoping? Um, a little bit. It seemed a bit of a shame, but at the same time, I sometimes think that they don't really care about the box office that much. Yeah. If it's got, I mean, it's got really good reviews critically, and from a, a fan base point of view, so it's just not bums on seats. It's just not bums on seats. It but was re- then it's an eighteen, so. Well, an R-rated. In America, it is. Uh, it was really sad. So we, we obviously we saw this film at a Warner Brothers screening before it came out, which was packed and everyone loved it. We went to watch it again for a second time on Friday on opening night because it's just one of those films that you want to support. And upon the balcony at the super screen, there was, what, maybe eight people? Yeah. 
and it seats about 70 to 100. And down on the floor, when I looked over the edge of the balcony, there was about 10 to 12 people in a room that sits more like 200. So it was it was not great for opening night. Although our review is skewed because our cinema is at the O2 Arena and Strictly Come Dancing was on in the arena. So, you know, that may have put people off going to the cinema, knowing that there was an arena full of people that were also going to be there as well. But it's just, it's sad to see. Hopefully it has some good holdovers and it does okay in its second weekend. It doesn't drop too much. The news today from America is that a lot of cinema chains have changed the name of the film from Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn to Harley Quinn, semicolon, Birds of Prey. There's no official announcement from Warner Brothers on it, but it seems like they may have quietly altered some of the marketing for the film to make sure that Harley Quinn's name is at the front in the hope that maybe that will put more bums on seats. I think there's a feeling that Harley Quinn's name isn't quite at the forefront enough for it to be able to carry the film. But there's also now plenty of debate as to whether Harley Quinn's name can actually carry a film on its own, which I think is kind of ridiculous because who doesn't love Harley Quinn? And especially who doesn't love Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn? At this point, I don't even think of Margot as starring as Harley Quinn. I think of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Yeah, they're just the same person there, really, aren't they? Yeah, you know how a lot of people, um, and I'm, <laughs> I have to apologise, I'm slightly stealing something from the Hulks, but I completely agree with what they said. You know how you think of Ryan Reynolds kind of is Deadpool, or you think that Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, or, you know, for people of my generation, you think Michael Keaton is Batman, or, you know, Adam West is Batman, if you're maybe of that ilk. Um, I just, I think she's synonymous with Harley Quinn now. So, here's to seeing her in uh, Suicide Squad next year. Now, is that going to take place after Birds of Prey? I don't know. Where's that going to be set? Do we know? What have we heard? It's supposedly very much its own film, much like Birds of Prey is. It's... I don't don't think it's rebooting Suicide Squad. It will softly reboot Suicide Squad, probably, in that it won't be held over by events that happened in the first one. But I imagine similarly to Birds of Prey, it will reference what's come before it. So I can't—I don't see them having to reintroduce the characters, per se. So like we know Amanda Waller is in it. We know Harley Quinn's in it. We know Captain Boomerang's in it. We know Rick Flagg's in it. So I don't see those core four characters having to be reintroduced to each other like it's the first time they've met. I think it will be a case of Amanda Waller goes back to... I was about to say Blackgate, it was Bel Rev, wasn't it? Like, you know, it's like she's going to have to go back to Bel Rev or Arkham or wherever each of these people are and get them back out and say, right, it's time for another mission and it'll be a different group of people and then it won't be beholden to everything that came before it. And if you've seen the set leaks from today, which have now been ripped down off the internet, Margot Robbie is sporting a red and black wig. It's blonde with red and black tips. It seems a classic Harley Quinn look has made its way into this one. Interest. Hmm. It'll be interesting. To, I, I would quite like it to <clears throat> to link up with Birds of Prey, but in okay. a way that Harley gets a bit abducted because she's not in prison. No, she's not. That's true. So how does how does she get to be part of the squad? Is there room for a little appearance by uh, Cassandra Kane? Maybe. Maybe she's grown up a bit. I thought the same thing. It's going to be interesting to see how they connect and if they connect. In some respects, they they don't have to connect in any way other than the characters. Um, Like, it only vaguely references in Birds of Prey that she was broken out of Belle Rev by 
um, by the Joker at the end of Suicide Squad. Like, oh, we, we broke out and then we broke up. So I guess she could just, she could easily be in prison and just say, oh, Bat's got me. Yeah, that'd be an easy explanation, wouldn't it? It makes sense as well. But then which bats would it be our pat? <laughs> well, there is that, yes. Which Batman would it be that broke her out? Uh, we don't know. This is obviously still very much in a universe where Suicide Squad exists, so presumably Batman versus Superman exists. There's plenty of talk about it. Maybe we'll get that to that when we get to our review shortly. Oh, okay. Don't want to say too much up front. Spoilers. Next news story that I put on the list is a bit more of a happy one. And that is the news that Sir Patrick of Stewart appeared on um, that programme that's not Loose Women, The View. I think of it as the same thing, just classier. In America, to promote Star Trek Picard. And who is, of course, the host? Whoopi of Goldberg. Yes. And what did he do while he was on the programme? Oh, he did a little, like a proposal. He did. He proposed for her to uh, officially join the cast of Star Trek Picard Season 2. And of course, why would she not? She said yes. It's a really nice clip and it's funny that it's gone completely viral and that people have loved it so much. I think it just shows the amount of love that people have for the Picard character, the Guinan character and, and that era of Star Trek that people are so excited about her coming back. But you can say no, really, on national TV. No, it's a bit like being proposed to live on TV, isn't it? You don't want to go, uh, no. But she loves Star Trek. She asked to be in Star Trek the first time around because she's a huge fan. So I don't see why she would say no to coming back because she probably loves that character. I'd love to see how they work her in, what she's up to now. I have no idea what she would be up to now. We've not seen her since the end of the Enterprise D. Well, how does she leave things on the D? Does she leave Nothing. Like, you, didn't see, you didn't see her after it crashed. Um, she was in that episode episode? that wasn't an episode she was in that film um, because of the flashbacks to the fact that she was tied to the villain and that they were from the same race and that they were on the same ship they were rescued by uh, William Shatner Captain Kirk <laughs> synonymous, one and the same um, ah yes, William Shatner who did he play again? <laughs> um, so she was in that and she was in some of the present day bits in that film as well talking about what she understood of the Nexus and you saw her in when Picard was in there as well you saw that version of her that was still trapped in there but quite literally she never appeared again after the Enterprise D crashed so we don't really know whether there was a 10 forward on the E I don't know there was never time to see it so well, it was more of a, a battleship really wasn't it she ah oh, I'm lying to you I don't know that she has a line but I think she's in uh, Nemesis at Riker and Troy's wedding you know how Will Wheaton's at that table, but you never hear him speak? I have a funny feeling she's in that scene. Um, so you know she's alive. But, yeah, be interesting to see where she is now and whether she would have much of a role in season two or not. I don't know. I mean, we're only three episodes into season one, so there's plenty of things that we need to learn about this story. Uh, but I could imagine them just bringing her back for a nice little reunion and that being it, really. But it'll still be nice to have the two of them together. I haven't timetabled for us to do a Picard review till the end of the season, but do you want to just tell the viewers at home how you're feeling about it three episodes in? Well, I suppose it's the three episodes we talked about before. Just go listen to our last podcast. Nothing's changed. Finally, this week, we'll get to see a new one. But having rewatched each one, are you still happy with it? Yeah. Thoughts? Have you, any of your thoughts on it changed 
in rewatching them and seeing them in glorious 4K now rather than screen equality. Yeah. Still absolutely loving it then. Yes. In case you're not already watching it, Star Trek Picard airs new episodes on Thursdays on CBS All Access in the US. And here in the UK and internationally, it airs on Amazon Prime Video on Fridays. This Friday we get episode four and we finally step beyond the screeners that we saw after the premiere. So very excited to see something completely new. And you can read my reviews. Uh, They generally come out on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday for Picard. Final piece of news before we dive in on the birdies of prey is the news that's come today that it looks like shazam 2 is going to film this summer which is actually the same time that black adam is set to film which is interesting so i wonder if it's going to be a bit of a back-to-back for Dwayne the rock johnson because that wouldn't surprise me if coming off the back of shazam they do black adam which we know is going to be released first and then pair up well not pair them up but you know what i mean Mano Imano, Shazam versus Black Adam is technically Shazam 2. So that could be interesting. Completely unconfirmed, it's just a rumour for now. But it's a, it's one of those strongly rumoured rumours that suggests that they're going to double up on the production and kind of work on both simultaneously. So we'll probably find out pretty soon if uh, Zachary Levi, I was about to call him Shazam Levi, <laughs> um, starts buffing up again in readiness. If you start seeing pictures of him on Instagram in the gym, then you know that he's probably uh, working his way towards it. Asher Angel, who plays the young Billy Batson, has also said that he was under the impression that he was going to be filming, air quotes, soon. So it would kind of tie up that they're going to be doing it quite soon-ish. It's got a release date. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure it's due for release in um, May of 2022. You can hear that's me slightly typing to try and remember. First of April 2022, and Black Adam's due out on the 24th of December 2021, exactly. So there's barely six months between them. Um, really, there's only four or five months between the two of them being released. So it would make sense. Be be a good kind of momentum as well. If, you know, you have a little break between Shazam and the second one. In the second one, you get introduced to Black Adam. Say the second one ends with Black Adam in the present day. Bam, there's Shazam. Ooh, little rhyme. Poet and I don't know it. And then... <laughs> Four months later, you go straight into the what happens next in Shazam 2. Sounds very logical to me. I really hope as well. I mean, Shazam did well. Don't get me wrong. There's all these arguments on the internet. Can you believe there are arguments on the internet? No. I know. There are arguments that Shazam is a complete disappointment to Warner Brothers and a box office failure. Bearing in mind that when all is said and done and the receipts were counted, it's um, the, the, the metric that they use to kind of judge what kind of success a film had is what they call the multiplier from the budget to the box office. So Shazam made 2.66, I think it's 2.66, times its budget at the box office. So that's like, okay, you made your money back and then you made your money back again and then you made your money back a bit more. Um, So I think it's hard to argue that a film that made more than two and a half times its budget back at the box office is, is not a success. Certainly was in my book film that I need to rewatch. I've not rewatched it for a little while. No, we haven't, have we? No. But what my point was going to be there was, obviously The Rock wasn't in that one. Bringing him in to a sequel of some kind hopefully guarantees that it'll get opened up to a wider audience because when is The Rock in a film that doesn't make a billion dollars, basically? <laughs> He's like the, one of the most bankable stars on the planet. There was a ridiculous statistic I saw the other day that between two films that he was in last year... He made something like $2.5 billion. Wow. 
it was like more than every other film ever released in the history of the universe put together in the space of two films because he's just that likable is that is that a real statistic no it wasn't obviously more than every other film ever released in the history of the universe but it was a it and what i'm just mean was he made a lot of money in comparison to everyone else basically by himself he made the money of like three star wars films he's he's got the arms of three star wars films (laughs) it's true he does um all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to move on because I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> on to our birds of prey review. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh. So quiet. Now that I cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. And so peaceful. But it turns out (laughs) that wasn't the only Damon Gotham looking for emancipation. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, or if you want to refer to it, Harley Quinn, semicolon, Birds of Prey, is in cinemas globally now. It's directed by Kathy Yan, written by Christina Hodson, and stars Margot Robbie, Journey Smollett-Bell, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ella J. Basco, Rosie Perez, Ewan McGregor, and Chris Messina. Thoughts on this film before you saw it, based on what the internet has collectively decided is a terrible marketing campaign? Oh, I don't listen to the internet. I wasn't expecting you to listen to the internet. Uh, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't really read things. I don't, uh. It's good. It's a healthy way to be. Were you excited for this film? Um, You're not a big fan of Suicide Squad? No. Do you enjoy Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad? Do I enjoy Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn? There's a cat trying to knock over my glass on the table. That's why I'm rephrasing the question to give you time to discreetly hold the glass thank you continue the cat's dropped off the table yes um well i could see what she was doing i wasn't against it okay i didn't find it offensive (laughs) hashtag not my harley quinn yeah kinda okay who is hashtag your harley quinn i don't know really i didn't like the well not that i didn't like it I didn't like, well, I'm going to say I didn't like it, and then say that I didn't not like it. Okay. I'm not making any sense now. I'm no. I'm a bit cross-eyed. It was all right. I wasn't, I wasn't a massive fan of the gangster Harley Joker look, yeah. with all the tattoos That's and the damaged enough. and the rot and all that. Yeah. I think her characterization and portrayal of it is pretty good. It's just the aesthetic that I wasn't massively in love with. That's fair enough. That's a very common perception of that film, and it's a very different aesthetic for the two of them. So, uh, who? what is your Harley Quinn? If I say to you, Harley Quinn, what's the image that you get in your mind? Uh, Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim dressed as Harley Quinn? That's a bit weird. <laughs> so, classic. Classic. Beat as. Okay. Where it all started. Yes. I mean, I'm not expecting to see that on live action, because that would be a bit silly. Voiced by Arlene Sorkin or Tara Strong? Tara Strong. Oh, so second generation... 
beat out Harley Quinn. Oh no, I got them mixed up. The other one. <laughs> I did that on purpose because I knew you wouldn't know the names. I don't know the names. <laughs> so Arlene Sorkin was the person who did the voice originally. Yes, that one. Okay. Well, Tara Strong does everything. Tara Strong is a absolute legend and a joy to behold. <laughs> That's a very strange thing to say. It's um, very formal of you. I know. Okay. That uh, I an absolute joy to behold. Have never thought of who my Harley Quinn is or what my Harley Quinn is. Oh well, I'd even ask you. I didn't say that you had. I was. It's just sprung to mind that it's not something I've ever really considered. Well, um, but I would probably say Beat has Harley Quinn as well. Uh, I don't original. <laughs> oh. I like the version in the Arkham games, but I wouldn't say she's a absolute standout. I have grown to love Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn in the animated series. Oh, I have enjoyed that. It's a very good portrayal of the character, I think. It is. Very violent. <laughs> very. If you happen to have seen uh, this week's episode, Harley Quinn Highway, when King Shark bites the tongue of the thing inside Poison Ivy's head, that is a... That's a... That's a, that's a geyser of blood. That's a bit of a tongue twister in itself. <laughs> yes, it is. But, I, yeah, I think it all comes back to Beatles, really. When... Okay... Here's a good question. When you read a comic book that has Harley Quinn in it, whose voice do you hear? Do you know, I don't really read a lot with Harley Quinn in it. Oh, really? I suppose you don't read Suicide Squad. You don't read Harley Quinn, so... She's not, she's not a Robin. <laughs> no, this is true. <laughs> she's not Constantine. For me, I hear Arlene talking, so I hear the classic voice. But it's difficult not to hear Margot Robbie these days. That's because she's everywhere. Well, it's very true. She is. Uh, okay, so you were not not looking forward to Birds of Prey, but not overly excited by it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was whelmed. You you weren't overwhelmed or underwhelmed. I was just whelmed. Well done on a young justice quote. What were your thoughts on this topic? <laughs> you forget what it was called. I forgot the question you told me to ask you. <laughs> I asked you to ask me whether I was ex- excited about the film before I saw it. The question that I just asked you. Oh, sorry. Yes. What you said. Right. Yes, I was very excited to see this film before it came out. I surprisingly cared about this film a lot, and still do, actually, care about this film a lot more than I thought I would. Well, you really like Suicide Squad. I do, but... Oh, here we go. Don't backtrack now. No, no, no. No, I do. I enjoy. I think it's really easy to rewatch. Um, and, you know, I've gone back and I've read the novelisation of it and I've read all the millions of tweets from David Ayer about things he changed and what was taken out and what Warner Brothers did to change the story and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as much as I can enjoy watching it, I completely understand that it's not a great film. It's not a great representation of The Suicide Squad. It's not a great representation of Enchantress. It's in no way like a perfect film. It's just a film that I can enjoy watching. But I do... I I think she was the highlight for... Like, Margot Robbie was the highlight for me of that film. So I was excited to see more of her version of Harley. Yeah, she's probably the best bit about that film. Mm, yeah. And we all know I do love me some uh, Birds of Prey 2002 TV series. Do you? You've never mentioned that before. No? Never? Ah, um, oh, well, in the run-up to the Well, release... let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just... Uh... Uh, talk over me. No. Liar. Uh, I was just simply going to say that in the run-up to this film being released at the cinema 
big screen. <laughs> uh huh. We released a review of Birds of Prey, each episode one day at a time for the 13 days leading up to the release of Birds of Prey the film. So you can read my thoughts on Birds of Prey 2002, the TV series, on the website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. Also, side note, shameless plug, our reviews for film and TV are now available on IMDb, and I am very, very proud to say that I am pretty much essentially the only person who has reviewed each episode of Birds of Prey individually. Because <laughs> if you go on to uh, any of the episodes of the series and click Critics Reviews, there's my name. Oh dear. It's just me. Just you. Yep. Only person. Deep Cut. DC Deep Cut. Well, moving on. How were you feeling about this film? Actually, you know what? I was going to ask you how you were feeling after you watched it for the first time. But um, I'm going to go with how were you feeling whilst you were watching it? Whilst well, so I am excited, anxious for Nicola because she had to get her train. Extremely tired because it started at half nine in the evening. Very, very tired. On a work day. On a work day. On a Wednesday. <laughs> was that Wednesday or was that Tuesday? The Tuesday. <gasps> on a Tuesday. That's even worse. I know. What can you do on a Tuesday? I don't know. Ask Sarah Milliken. Continue. It was a room of, it was a roller coaster of emotions, having to stay awake, having to watch the time, having to deal with me, having drunk a free you, beer, have a free beer on a Tuesday. Yeah, I know. My goodness, animal. How were you feeling? Uh, on the edge of my seat. <laughs> there were a couple of times where I was worried I wasn't going to like it. Just because I was doing that thing where I was like, this has to be perfect, this has to be amazing, I have to love this film, this film has to be amazing, it has to be perfect from start to finish, I need to love everything that happens. And there were a couple of bits where it was obviously just a little bit slower. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm loving this right now. I loved what happened a minute ago, and I'm excited for what's going to happen next. But at the same time, oh, I don't know that I'm loving this right now. And then we just, I kept, you know, reassuring myself that I was in fact loving it, because I was in fact loving it. And then you got to the big fight, which was kind of awesome, which we'll get to. And then that bit happened, and then they left that fun house, and I was like, I know what's going to happen now. This is the scene. This is the scene with the canary cry. Here comes the canary cry. She's going to do the canary cry. And then she wasn't doing it. And then she was sitting there, looking like she knew she needed to do it, and Rene Montoya was looking at her going, I know what you need to do, Dinah. You need to do it. You need to just bloody do it. And then she did it. And at that point, I think I wet myself. I think I've still got the bruises on my leg from your hand <laughs> gripping onto me. It was like she's gonna do it. She's gonna do it. Ah It was a bit more exciting than that. That was that your impression of a canary cry? That was my impression of you. Oh, sorry. Having a canary. <laughs> it was really it was just so good when she did it. It was like massive payoff though. Cause I really liked her character, which again, we'll get to in a minute. But it was just awesome. And then she did that and it was like Yes! Well, I think I was more like, oh. Well, yes, it was. Or really, really high pitch, but I'm not going to attempt to do that. <laughs> do you want to do that one more time? I don't think I can. Go on. <laughs> that one was a bit sadder. It was. Your tooth was annoying you that time. It was. So, yeah, it was. I, I agree with you. It was a roller coaster of emotions right the way through. So, who was, Harley Quinn aside, your favourite. Uh, member of the let's go with I was going to say favourite cast member but let's go with favourite member of the Birds of Prey 
I kind of, uh, I don't know, really. Okay. They were all alright. I want to say, maybe, I don't want to say Huntress. Oh, maybe Huntress? Why would you not want to say Huntress? I don't know. She was a bit... She had a very... I'm uh, doing like a weird shoulder yes, thing Yes, she here. was very sassy, like you. No, she wasn't sassy. I, I don't know. She was just a bit like... I got this weird vibe of her being like a slightly pretentious 80s movie high schooler. Yes. Like you mean sassy like me. I'm not sassy. Ask the internet if you are sassy. I don't ask the internet. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen listening to this podcast, tweet at Get Your Comic On and feel free to tag at Boy Wonder nineteen eighty nine sat opposite me to tell him just how sassy he is on this podcast. Because I think he needs to hear it. But like that whole scene where she was stood in front of the mirror and she's like, You can call me. You can call me. No, my name is. Like, trying to figure out exactly how to tell people that her name is Huntress. And then that whole, like, I'm not angry. I don't have anger issues. I just, there was there was an air of, like, I don't know, like, I kept thinking of, like, The Breakfast Club for some reason. Yeah, I've not seen that. <laughs> but that's what I'd imagine it to be like. Slightly pretentious, gothy, 80s high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with loving that. It... I don't know, it's weird. It's not what I ever expected Huntress to be characterised like. But in the tone of the film, it worked really well. Like, it made her the a slight comedic foil. But in an awkward sense. But at the same time, she was still really badass because she killed a lot of people. And threw down pretty well in the fight. Yeah. It towed a line really, really well between two different aspects of the character. Okay, is that is that your final answer? Is Huntress your favourite member of the Birds of Prey? Yeah, why don't we lock it in? Not Renee Montoya. Mm. That was supposed to be slightly New York, and it sounded more Chinese. She has quite a clipped sort of voice, but with a really New York accent. You're not making it any better. Okay, I can't do I can't do a New York accent. No. Who was your favourite character? Dare but I ask? Black Canary is definitely my favourite. I thought Dinah was awesome. Um, Journey Smollett Bell was really cool in that role. I just thought she really stood out in pretty much every scene she was in. Like, you get introduced to her and she's doing the whole singing thing in the club and she's got an amazing singing voice and that song is really cool on the soundtrack. They do the whole slightly Suicide Squad-esque thing with the graphics on screen that was like a voice modulation that's then her name. I feel like I should make you sing the song and then we can have, like, an internet sing-off this between is... you and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is the man's world. No. This is not happening. <laughs> it just I'm... happened. You've just done it. <laughs> I am not having a sing-off with you. Now we're asking the internet who sang it better. <laughs> oh, okay, if you want to hear someone sing it better than I, then go listen to We Have a Hulk this week because Chris does do a wonderful version of Journey Smollett Bell singing Man's World. Anyway, then you go to the whole thing where she's outside the club and she has the fight when she rescues Harley from the potentially rapey man that's got her drunk. And she just she's really effortless in the way she fights. Like, I don't, it's really weird. I don't, like, it's like totally weird. Uh, I've got old Bill and Ted. Um, sometimes when I watch a film, I feel like I can see someone thinking about the fight choreography. Is that a film about clocks? <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> like. Is that a clockwork fight? <laughs> Stop it! You know what I mean? I feel like you can almost sometimes see actors that aren't used to fight scenes. You can thinking see, you in can their see head. the cogs turning. Yes. 
Well, but sometimes in films, I think you can see actors who are not as comfortable with fight scenes thinking about what they need to do. Like, I need to hit this mark. This is when I do this, and it's it's like a choreographed dance, mm. and no, that's I, how you approach it. Whereas I didn't feel like I got that from her. I felt like she just was a bit of a badass fighter. Do you know what I mean? Do you not get that vibe that she just? Well, she's probably really enjoying beating people up, but that she just. Like I fully believed everything that she was doing. At no point did I think, "Oh, that's Jodie Smollett Bell playing Dinah Lance." It was just, it just was Dinah Lance. Well, I don't know the name, so I just think it's Dinah Lance. Well, you don't. But you, I, I just mean you weren't seeing an actor playing a role. You were just seeing it as like reading a comic book. Yeah. Did that make sense? Uh, I think so. I, it was a Tuesday night. It was very late. You've seen it twice. I've seen oh, it twice. Now. Well, no, well, you haven't really, well, have you? Haven't really, because again, that was that was a long day as well. <laughs> I may have had a little nap. <laughs> what did you see the second time we saw this? Um, I saw the beginning. Yes. And I saw some of the middle. Right. And I saw the end. Okay. How much of the end? All, most of the end. At one point you were snoring and I had to wake you up. I wasn't snoring. You went... Oh, well. It's a very long day. <laughs> what did you think of you and McGregor? Let's step away from the Birds of Prey then. We've done that. What did you think of him as the villain? Or what, what do you think of both of the villains? Because you've got Victor Zaz in there as well, Chris Messina. I really liked Ewan. Yes. You know, we've got that heritage. <laughs> oh, is that uh, Scots together? Yeah. Uh, and I've always liked a bit of Ewan. Um, from the earlier days. Train spotting. Train spotting, yeah. All the way through to his... Unconfirmed, based on your family. Yes, thank you. Um... Just because I'm from the area <laughs> that it was based, but not filmed. No, I really liked it. I th- it was interesting to sort of think of it as a black mask as seen and told by Harvey. So maybe not the black mask that you're used to reading. Yes. Thank you. Were you able to accept that as a method of storytelling? Yes. There are a lot of people that can't seem to accept that. And that's purely based on what they've seen in a trailer. I think for many of those people, they've not bothered to see the film because they don't like the way it's characterised in the trailer. But I don't think you get enough context as to how it's actually played out within the narrative of the film. Because that very much is Harley Quinn giving you her impression of Black Mask. And I was able to completely sort of accept that from start to finish because it was flipping hilarious. It's not bubble. Ew. With his kit. (laughs) What was your favourite bit when he's talking about the masks? Yeah. (laughs) When he's talking about the shrunken heads. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, this is the mask I got for the unk tribe. (laughs) What was that when he's like, look at their tiny heads, they're so weird. Ew. (laughs) And that's where I feel like you could hear Harley Quinn's voice. And I think that came across in quite a lot of the characters when she was telling scenes that she wasn't there for. And again, it didn't bother me at any point because I felt I was able to completely accept from start to finish that this was her telling us a story. But I did think that made for a really interesting version of Black Mask. But at the same time, even though he was at times often quite camp and quite cheesy, he was still quite scary. Oh, yeah. So this, like, I felt really uncomfortable at the poor girl that got made to stand up on a table in the Black Mask Club when he's like, rip her dress off, dance! It was funny when he started to dance, though. He's like, come on, dance. <laughs> that, but that's something that I think this film does really well, is balancing out some of those uh, more R-rated aspects or the more adult aspects of the subject matter with some of the more 
comedic moments that you might laugh at and then go, oh god, I probably shouldn't laugh at that. Shrunken heads, though. Ew. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that he was um, a one-and-done villain? Oh, I didn't like that. I wanted more of him. Only thing that I wonder is you could almost imagine if there was a... So say there was a sequel um, or another film, a another film in this franchise that has some of or is told from Harley's perspective again. I could almost imagine like a soaking wet black mask come walking back into the club and she's like, oh yeah, uh, you know that thing I told you before? It didn't happen like that. And that actually he plopped in the water and she just imagined that he'd blown up. <laughs> he plopped in the water. <laughs> what else would he do? He may splash. <laughs> he may have sploshed. Patosh. Yeah, that would make sense. That would be, it'd be slightly annoying to be like, oh, actually that didn't happen. Aww. But then would that not be in the kind of anarchic humour of Harley Quinn? Yeah, that's true as well. Like, I told you he was dead, puddings, and he wasn't. <laughs> that was not bad, actually. Thank you. I'll give you that. I've been practising that all day. Have you? <laughs> you just did a snot bubble! No, I didn't! <laughs> you did! There was a snot bubble! Oh, Ew! No. Don't cut my face off. Oh, dear. Um... <laughs> okay, so uh, standout highlight moments for you in Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Bruce. Really? Yeah. Okay, tell me more. That's like the hyena. I thought it was very well done. You'd never know that was a dog. No, you wouldn't. I thought that was really cool. It's an ingenious idea because, you know, you couldn't really have a uh, hyena and they said a cheater on set because you know, well, definitely wouldn't want to cheat on set <laughs> no uh, poor Margot Robbie could have been mauled to death so I'm guessing that you were genuinely very sad when she thought that Bruce had been blown up oh I was devastated devoed devo pure devoed so you were very happy at the end then when he turned up uh, alive and well yes I just love his little laugh <laughs> what's that that was my hyena laugh it's <laughs> <That was> creepy <laughs> would you have so uh, the Bruce thing didn't annoy you in terms of not having Bud and Lou? Well, I mean, they're quite expensive things to have. Do you... Okay, um, slight sidestep then. Uh, I really appreciate how, frankly, honest Margot Robbie is in interviews. Talking about, like, so, you know, would you have liked to have done Bud and Lou? Why did you do Bruce? We couldn't afford Bud and Lou because they're just too expensive. Um, and talking about some of that stuff, I, I think it's really refreshing to hear someone that talks like that and actually gives you a bit of honest truth about what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, it's better than they just had like a loo or a bud because that would be even worse then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else that you wish to show as a highlight from this film? Just everything with Ewan. Okay. Um, what did you think of the mask? Oh, I quite liked it. It was very 3D printed. It was very 3D printed, wasn't it? I thought it was really cool. It was quite sort of modular in the, and angular, which... It didn't feel like it would melt onto his face so much. No. But at the same time, it was quite artistic and quite cool. Yeah, it's very harsh. Well, it was very, like, like you said, much of Harsh angles. Harsh angles. Brutalist. Brutalist. Oh, yes. Brutalist. Sorry, I stepped on your point there, so please oh, do continue. As always. I can't remember what I was saying now. Favourite moments. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and the hyena and... That was it, really. Okay. The funny, the, I like the police headquarters. Yeah. And um, beanbaggy sparkle gun. 
Why, yes, I get to report a terrible crime. She's not Scottish. Oh, I thought you liked my impression of that scene. Well, you've not, you've not got the glasses or the hat. It's a podcast. People can't see that I'm not wearing glasses and a hat. I've just ruined the illusion now, haven't I? It's, yeah, it's a very cool scene. I do. I think that's very cool. I'm here to report a terrible, terrible crime. <laughs> I've gone on Professor McGonagall now. <laughs> it's not Maggie Smith. Sidious Black is Harry Potter's godfather. <laughs> so flip side, was there anything that you didn't like so much in the film? Not really. Were you alright with the really choppy linear timeline? Non-linear, should I say, timeline? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I quite liked it, actually. The only thing that I was missing, yes. that I must say, yes. I was missing, was... Robin? Well, Robin. Nightwing? Nightwing, yeah. Yeah. Bit of bat. Okay. Did you... Okay. I can... I think I know where you're coming from on that one, because... I, there is... You would have to wonder why not one single member of the bat family was kind of intrigued by Axis chemicals blowing up. Axis chemicals? Whoa, I've gone Batman 1989. Uh, Ace chemicals blowing up. Or, any, well, any of the rest of the events of the film, to be fair. But particularly, that seems like a fairly big event to have not caught the attention of a member of the Bat family. See, this is where you needed a Batgirl. Yeah, just true. Just to sort of ground it into Gotham a bit more. The East Side. If only they called it Burnside. Yeah. <laughs> I... I I, I completely get where you're coming from, but I really admire what she was trying to do. Oh, no, I get it. I completely get it. But I yeah. just think if you want uh, just to sort of... Contextualise it a bit more. Yeah. Even like with the Suicide Squad, just like that one bit at the beginning where Bats drops down and yeah. arrests everybody. I suppose maybe the fact that Batgirl is being written by the same writer as this, actually, at the moment, she's kind of separate. They probably haven't cast her yet. So why would maybe they wouldn't want to cast her now when they've not got a director for a Batgirl film? Yeah, maybe. And the awkwardness of the changeover between Batfleck and Battenson. Battenson. Yeah, Robert you just, Battenson. Did, you just made that up. No, that's an internet thing. I was going to say you could market that. Hashtag Battenson. Um, oh, I don't like that. The fact that you're in a weird sort of transition period. I guess it would be an odd place for Robert Pattinson to appear for the first time. Our bats. Our pats. Our bats. Our bats. Way. Hey, you can have that. But you get what I mean. It would be a very strange place for him to show up for the very first time in someone else's movie when he's not a featured part. So I suppose there is maybe too much of an awkward position to try and do something like that. They could have done similar to how they did the Joker. You know, he was in one shot where you just saw him from behind. You just saw the green hair and the suit. Well, somebody was in one shot. Well, obviously, I'm not saying it was Jared Leto, but you know, there was someone who was playing the Joker for the sake of a scene that you never saw their face. Yeah, you could have like the shadow of a bat somewhere. Yeah, yeah. or a cape swoosh on the top of a building somewhere. Yeah. But I suppose a lot of this film took place in daylight as well, rather than nighttime. Yeah, that's true, actually. So, strange. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But I think I was able to put that to the back of my mind because I just, like I was going to say, I just really admire the fact that she took it. She had the option of doing some this that she really you know pleaded with Warner Brothers to do or doing Gotham uh, I was say Gotham Girls that's the high school thing right um, Gotham City Sirens and having Catwoman and Poison Ivy as two massive names and that she you know said no I want to focus on some characters that haven't had this level of exposure before I really admire that I think I really like Margot Robbie 
Oh no, I totally agree. I think I prefer having this than to Gotham City Sirens. I'd like to see that next, though. I feel like they could do that now and bring in some bigger names. I like what she's done there. I'd like to see what Harley does next, and that probably involves Ivy. Yeah. I suppose it's that there were so many rumours that there was going to be a girl gang thing and that it would be, you know, Ivy would introduce... Ivy? Harley would introduce the Birds of Prey, she'd go off and join the Sirens, and then it would be the Bop versus the Sirens. Kind of works. Whether that will happen now that this film hasn't done as well I don't know but it'd be nice to see I think there are places that it could go next we'll have to wait and see because it was critically acclaimed I suppose yes it has done very very well with the critics there are it's it's but, dropped down to 80% where we are right now on Rotten Tomatoes so it's dropped about 10% over the last week oh, well the tomato people still like it so. there's <laughs> yeah there's I think 60 negative reviews and somewhere up in the region of like 140 150 positive ones so I mean it's still overridingly positive on top of that and the audience reactions are great that's the thing that's such a surprise about this film it's got good audience scores it's got good critic scores and it's got good word of mouth from people that have seen it the there is a, a voice of dissent against this film on the internet but like i said before it's the anti-woke anti-social justice warrior i hate modern star trek it's full of gays people that we just block and ignore and don't listen to um, they're the only real people that are talking about not liking this film and really frustratingly if you happen to see glances of it which I thankfully don't see that much of it they are celebrating the fact that this film has done and I'm saying this in air quotes badly because I don't think it's done badly but there, there, is a, there is actual celebration that the whole idea of a film made by a woman written by a woman starring women produced by women putting female characters at the forefront of it has done badly that is actually something that a cross-section of our society thinks should be celebrated, that it fails. See, this is why I don't use the internet for those purposes. Yeah. I unfortunately get exposed to some of it, but most of it I have blocked out these days. I'm quite happy with my little pain and nursing Twitter. So tell me, what were your highlight moments? Ooh, was that your presenter's voice? It, it might be. Okay. Uh, I think... Standout scene, you're looking at me as if I'm going to do that thing where I don't do this very quickly. No, you never do. That's why I've got my phone out because I'm ready for uh, to zone out a bit. <laughs> Standout scene would be the fight in the funhouse. And he's off. No, no. Is that it? The really annoying thing is I can't remember what it was called. You know when she phones Black Mask and she says, uh, I'll give you Cass, meet me at the... Amusement mile. It didn't say meet me at the fart noise. It no. Was... It's amusement mile, but there, she named the actual ride and... I, or what it was and I can't for the life of me remember what it was which is really frustrating even though I've seen it twice oh yeah D Dabbers or something it's yeah meet me at like the blubby blob Julie's who's <laughs> <laughs> Julie <laughs> no um, so, that, so yeah so that, that's the standout scene for me I think that was a really cool fight scene but I'm going to talk about fight scenes in a second so I'm not going to talk about it too much because you'll just tell me off saying I'm going on too long That's right, you just sit there texting. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to go on for a bit longer. Um, yeah. Is that I, was, it? I was being succinct with my answers. That's my favourite scene. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That and when Black Canary sings at the um, Black Mask Club. Ah, yes. The, the world of a man. This is a man's world. You're right. That was better than last time. You still look a bit pained when you do it, though. Okay. You're straining. Is there anything that you didn't particularly enjoy 
No, I don't think there was. Um, I, th- I think the characterization of Cass is a little bit hard to take. And I feel sorry for Ella J. Basco, just because I'm sure they're that swathe of people that I'm not naming again have probably gone on at length. I'm sure there are plenty of YouTubes about it. Uh, this is not my Cassandra Kane. And no, she's not a mute. There's no assassin dad in the frame, although she is. She mentions that she's a, she's a foster child, so, you know, there is scope if she appears in future films for, there to, for them to explore something along those lines. But this isn't the Cassandra Kane that you would have seen suit up as Batgirl. She's very different. Having said that, the character and the portrayal by Ella J. Basco is, I think, great. I think she's really cool. I love how, considering she's 13, she fits in and goes toe-to-toe with all these other characters. She's 13? Yeah. Wow. That's why in that interview I was watching the other day, Margot Robbie was saying it was so difficult keeping continuity because every two weeks she'd grown like another inch. And then when they went back to do reshoots, the the denim shorts that she wears for most of the film, Cassandra, not Harley, um, were like hot pants. And Margot said, I feel like your big sister. I had to be like, nope, nope, nope. She doesn't wear Daisy Dukes. Find longer shorts. Stop growing. Never work with children or animals. Well, you've got a child and a fake hyena. I was going to ask you how you feel about it, but you probably haven't read that many comics with Cassandra Kane in either, to be honest, really, have you? Apart from um, No Man's Land. Yeah, that's probably the one. Oh, and um, Batman Eternal. Oh, was, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm forgetting that, of course, she's now orphan and is in modern continuity a bit more. Um, so you probably know her less as Batgirl than you know her as orphan, I guess. Yeah. Either way, she's still mutant badass in both of those so yeah. how, how did you feel about the fact that that was very different I was a bit like oh that's a shame but it didn't really bother me when I got into the film because it was still a good character I think that's the thing it's a good character so I think you're able to set that aside when it's when it's at least well written I think if you see something a few okay go Batman and Robin for instance and you look at the way Robin is in that film or the way Batgirl is portrayed in that film and you go I can't really forgive that because it's just not right and it's not right and not well done. Whereas yeah. this is maybe not right, but is at least well done. Yeah. And they've got really good chemistry between her and Margo as well. Which you wouldn't yeah. get if she was mute. No, that's true. Although, would you say that that was a nod to it when you see her in the police station? And she's like, Egh. And Rene Montoya says to her, like, oh, are you okay, Cass? Oh, I didn't read that much into it. I think I was reading too much into that scene. I thought she had a sore throat from swallowing the diamond. Oh, yeah totally didn't get that at that point totes totes did not get that i really liked the way that you saw some of those scenes twice and saw them from different angles so like the bertinelli murder that you you saw the killing then you saw a bit more of it from a different angle and you saw that it was the whole family and you got a bit more about the diamond and then you saw it again and realized that everyone that huntress had killed throughout the film was actually present in that scene i thought it did a really good job of taking some of those moments and showing them twice because you saw Black Mask exit the warehouse after slicing the faces off twice and the first time you didn't see who was driving the car and the second time you saw that it was Dinah who was driving the car. That was very clever in that respect. As a script I'd love to read. I do love how they managed to do several origin stories but not make them feel like origin stories. Clever, isn't it? Very clever. Because you do get a bit like, oh God, it's like a pilot bit in a film. Yeah, but it wasn't at all. But it wasn't. Okay, a couple more points on this one before we um, give our scores. So, fight scenes. What do you think of the fight scenes? 
it's something that's been criticised in some of the reviews as not being very good. I happen to quite like them. I think the fight in the police station is awesome. Uh, love the use of Black Betty. Um, and uh, the way it heightens the whole scene once she's sniffed the cocaine. Thought that was really funny. Really cool. Fight scene in the, in the Amusement Mile, I love. I think it's a really nice, well-choreographed fight scene. A lot of different mini fights going on in the same time. A lot of different uses of what's going on in that fun house. So you had the the seesaw thing with um, with Black Canary. You had the trampoline and the roller skates with Harley. You had Huntress and the balance beam. I also really like the the kind of camaraderie as they're passing around cast trying to keep her safe and work together. And then the the chase with the roller skates is just awesome. What did you think of the fight scenes? I really Were like you them. disappointed? Oh God, let me let sorry. me answer. Sorry, sorry. Goodness me. Ask me a question and answer yourself. I really liked them. Thought they were very well done. I was very impressed with how much Margot did herself. Insane. That woman. Insane. Well, you wouldn't want to mess with her, would you? No. Especially not with a baseball bat on a trampoline with roller skates. No? Well, I mean, that's just a typical weekend for you. (laughs) Okay. That was it. So you were you were on board? Yeah. Fully on board with fight scenes? Yeah. So, uh, final costumes for uh, Black Canary and Huntress. Renee Montoya suited up in a leather jacket. Well, it wasn't really a costume for Renee, was no. it? it was just a no, no. Um, Huntress, uh, they tried to go sort of classic, but it felt a bit sort of... 80s shell suit? 80s, yeah. Like, I'm not going to say it because I can't say it. Shell shoot. Yeah. Thank you. I've got a sore tooth. Yes. But then I, that was in keeping with all the other outfits that she wore. Because when you saw the flashbacks to her training, she was in a shell suit as well. Yeah. But I like that they went for the, the cross. Yeah. And the purple. Yeah. And the and way the her goggles flipped up to make the little horns of a really classic domino mask. Yeah. That was quite cool. And Dinah's onesie. Do you know what? I didn't notice. Oh, really? Yeah. She's in a, she's in a more classic like jumpsuit. Oh, I didn't even notice. Really? Yeah. Gonna have to take you back to watch it a third time. See if I can stay awake this time. Let's go in the middle of the day. Okay. It's like a Saturday. Ooh, we've afternoon. got no plans on Saturday. I'm gonna book tickets. We're having an eye test. We'll go after our eye tests. Oh yeah. That's how rock and roll we are. Yes. Right. That is all I'm gonna say about Birds of Prey. I gave this film a nine out of ten. I said this film doesn't give a flying f-bomb what you think it is just awesome what would you give it out of 10 <laughs> ladies and gentlemen he's going to give it a 4 why have you got an Essex on me don't know ladies and gentlemen <laughs> no I'm going to give it what am I going to give it Ooh. I'm going to go 8.5 Wee! he loves it uh, why 8.5 <laughs> You've been a bit geezer then. Oh, he loves it. Uh, why not? Eight and a half. Well, exactly. Why the half? Well, I feel like it deserves a half. Okay. It doesn't quite get up to the, the upper echelons of a nine and a ten. Yeah. Because I would have liked a little bit more of the wider okay. Gotham universe. Yep. That makes sense. So that's All very valid. A, a solid eight and a half. Your opinions are valid and well represented here between you and the cat yes 
who quite frankly doesn't care because he's asleep. <laughs> there is a snoring cat on the floor next to us. So Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn is, as we said, flipping awesome and it is in cinemas now. That leads us on to our next review, which is Sonic the Hedgehog. Sega. I'm Sonic, a little blue ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. And in order to save my planet, I had to come to yours. Where am I? What year is it? Is the rock president? 20 minutes ago, an energy surge knocked out power across the entire Pacific Northwest. Who's there? Why are you hiding out in my garage? The entire military is after me. Good morning, my rural chum. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. Awesome. Sonic the Hedgehog hits cinemas across the globe from Friday, February the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day. It stars Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic. James Marsden as, I was going to call him Tim, Tom. His dentist calls him Tim. And Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. So we saw this film on Saturday. No, Sunday. Oh yeah, Storm Cara, Sunday. Blown to buggery. Trains on the way to town, no trains on the way home. But we got free donuts. We did, yeah. Uh, So we got invited to a screening of this by Paramount Pictures. Thank you very much, Paramount Pictures. Always very lovely to us. We absolutely love you. And they fed us an abundance of food. You could have fresh fruit, you could have pastries, you could have coffee, or you could have a gold donut. There was, like, giant cookies as well. There was ping pong. There was, like, Face face painting, photos, ring toss, a photo op. There was some sort of slappy table thing, you know, like whack-a-mole. There was like a table thing where people were slapping. Uh, I didn't quite manage to see what it was because I was too busy trying to film and realising that I had gold all over my face from the donut. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. Well, you had gold lipstick on. <laughs> at least I wasn't talking to anybody too important. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> but we digress. What were your initial thoughts on going to see this film? don't think you were particularly excited about this. It was a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I don't even think that you were particularly excited for the film in general, whether we were getting invited to a screening or not. Well, it's just one of those. It's it's a it's a film based on a video game. But like Pokemon, you love. That's different, though. It's a film based on a video game. But it had a TV series. It had a game. Card game. <laughs> like, I know it had a game, because yeah. I just said it had a game. Are you talking about Detective Pikachu? Yes. Well... There's been several other Pokemon movies that came before that. It's, you know, well established. Uh oh, I've opened up a Pokemon wormhole. You can't compare Pokemon with Sonic. Okay. I do that several times in my review, which is available now up on the website www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. Right. I know, I feel like they were quite similar films. I mean, both of them are a mix of CGI and live action. Both of them are trying to take the the character from the game world and integrate them into our world. I know Pokemon is very much in, in our in a version of our world in the cartoons, but you know what I mean? They tried to bring it into a more realistic version of our world. I think they were emotionally and aesthetically they were very closely related films. 
I was looking forward to it, though. I was very excited. Not that you asked, but I'm telling you. Okay. Not like Birds of Prey level excited, but I was hoping to see something really cool. And I think on the whole, I got that. But not quite in the way that I expected. I feel like it, it wasn't really a film for me. No, and that's why it didn't quite come across to me the way I thought it would. I had... I said this to you afterwards, and you were like, where did you think that this was going to be a grown-up film? This isn't like Batman versus Superman. La, 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 la. Um, something like that. No, I didn't do a Scottish accent. Rude. I I don't know. I, it's really weird. I don't know what I was expecting going in. I guess I expected Detective Pikachu, which I would say is aimed at, like, 12 to 14-year-olds. You know, slightly older. <laughs> well, we've just established you don't fully understand the world of Pokemon. <laughs> I just feel like if you were if you are to compare the two films, I think Detective Pikachu is a little edgier and you know it's aimed at a slightly older market because it has a little bit more danger to it. It's Ryan Reynolds, isn't it? Maybe. It's got slightly yeah, the humour is more is slightly more grown up. It's not just fart jokes. Not that I'm saying that this was, but you know, there was a fart joke in this film. Um I just think you can you can just tell that it's pitched slightly older and therefore is a little bit more enjoyable for the slightly older crowd whereas I felt like this was very safe. Yeah, it was a kids film. It was well, yeah, aimed at kids. It was aimed yes. at young kids. That's what so I I have said um that I felt like this was aimed more like 8 to 11s. And I think it hit the mark for that group. Absolutely. It full on hit the mark. I that's why I really enjoy going to those screenings of this type of film. Because I think if I go to... So like when we saw Playing With Fire, which was also a Paramount Nickelodeon film. Um, if I was to... If someone was to ask me to review that, and I went to see that on like a Friday night, date night time that people go to the cinema. Firstly, I'm probably going to be the only person there. But I would then find it really hard to review it. Because I would only be able to review it based on what my reaction was to it which would be oh this wasn't made for me this was made for kids whereas i think seeing it with that sunday morning crowd you get to see how the kids react to it and i find it easier to review because i know that i can say i thought it was well made i enjoyed some of the story but it didn't quite hit the mark for me but it was great to see that all the kids in the room absolutely loved it and i now know that people who were fans of sonic the game who have families and young families can take their kids along and say, hey, here's this game that mum and dad used to play when they were younger. Isn't this really cool? And the kids will be like, oh, wow, there's like special effects and he's like zooming around everywhere and there's like a man with a moustache and he's dancing and now he's pretending to ski and he really likes coffee with frothy goat milk and it's all a bit crazy. Mm, yeah. Dr. Robotnik's henchman made him a coffee. He's I know, like, I know. It's, it's just a good dope. It was just a bit weird. Oh, sorry. Did I go too deep on story? There was lots of arms and stuff. Uh I'm being emphatic. I just did that thing, didn't I? That took me a really long time to explain what I was trying to say. Yeah. Sorry. It was good. <laughs> it was good, but very much aimed at children. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Done. Next. Highlight moments for you. Oh, um, it it was all right. I mean, I, I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. There wasn't a moment that was like, oh, that was great. Oh really? Yeah. Not even sort of Jim Carrey. I thought you because you were a Jim. I would call you a Jim Carrey fan. Um, 
You love the mask. You love him as the Riddler. You like Ace Ventura, pet detective. Yeah. You like yeah. Liar Liar. I don't mind Liar Liar. It's got that woman from ER who you really like. Oh, the nurse. Yeah. Yes. I don't really like her in that film, though. <laughs> okay. Story I'm so- for another day. I know. <laughs> I digress. Um, I suppose Jim Carrey's probably... I grew up with a lot of Jim Carrey films. Yes. So it's quite... It's like a, it's like a warm blanket. I do think so. I think this is probably the most nineties Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey has been since the nineties. Well, it's interesting because you saw him on Graham Norton, and he was like, "Oh, this is the first... He was talking about how he's had a bit of a rough patch. We won't go into that. No. And he said that this was his chance to sort of get back to him and oh. do what he he can just let loose and do what he wants. It was very physical from him, which is yeah. what I feel like I've not seen him do in a long time. So that scene where he's like skiing and yeah. chasing stuff, that was completely um, improv. Because so. they said to him, just stand there and we're just going to film it for a bit and do whatever you want. Yeah. And then they'll do stuff around about it. I must have not seen that interview. You were in, You were sitting next to me. I was probably looking at my phone. Probably. Oh, my phone? <laughs> that was after Margot Robbie talked, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, there you go. I probably tuned out after Margot yeah, Robbie stopped probably. talking. Um I thought that was quite interesting, but he was he was being Jim Carrey. That made me like this. That's just made me like the film more. I can't remember what the question was highlights. Yeah, it was it was yeah. all right. It was good. Yeah, I do like Jim Carrey. I'm trying to think of a moment that made you laugh out loud, but it must have it would have just been anything that Jim Carrey did. I feel like there was a moment that you were giggling at something. Uh, I know there was a few moments that I certainly laughed out loud, but I'm struggling to remember what they were off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it was good. It was good. it was all right. Yeah, if you've was, got kids, take them. It was interesting the way they tried to develop Doctor Robotnik's character by taking the fact that it was plainly obvious that Jim Carrey doesn't look like Doctor Robotnik from the comic, comic from the game. You can tell what I'm used to talking about, um, and how they kind of made a joke of that at the end in the end credits. Yeah, that was quite good. I did like the end scenes though. That was quite like, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Actually, if there is to be a sequel, I have high hopes for how good it and entertaining it will be. And I think that's what I take away from this film is that it hasn't rocked my world, but and I get uh, ooh, oh I can say <laughs> I was about to say I can't tell you what I scored it because the embargo hasn't lifted. God, but so many emotions. By the time we release this podcast, it will have. Uh, I gave it a six out of ten, and I said it's not aimed at me, uh, but it's very successful for the audience that it's aimed at. Anything that you actually kind of pick out that you didn't really like from it. No, it was all right. It was good. Again, me. it's just not sort of aimed. Yeah, you? it's not really aimed at me. I feel like I shouldn't be there. I always feel when we go to those types of things, if oh, we really? have like, a child with us, <laughs> I feel like all like the mums are judging me. Like, oh, look at those saddles. Should we take the cat with us? Uh, excuse me. You want to talk about saddles? I will talk about the guy that was stood next to us talking over us about the fact that he said that birds of prey was f bomb crap. I didn't get any of that. Uh, oh, did you not? No. Uh, so there was a guy talking over us to the guy behind us, and he was saying, oh, I've got to go back to the office and rewrite my box office report for the weekend because, you know, Birds of Prey uh, is completely tanked. And his friend said, oh, have you seen it yet? And he was like, yeah, I saw it on Friday. It was effing shit. And he was like, I'm so glad this film has not done well because it's terrible. Why did you say effing and then clearly just I say swore? swore? I don't know because I'm polite like that. Because that was one of those moments where I nearly got up, out of my chair and went, uh, excuse me, sir, but actually I think you'll find this film is amazing. <laughs> Tap on the shoulder. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> this film is actually excellent. I think you'll find it's warranted in a lot of different places. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about Sonic. We're not talking about Birds of Prey. I really enjoyed the music. 
So it's by Junkie XL, uh, who did um, some of the music for Batman vs Superman and has been involved with the DC films a little bit. Uh, he also did some work on. He tends to work with Hans Zimmer quite a lot, so he did some work on The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I loved the way he brought in classic Sonic theme at the end. One thing that I do appreciate about a uh, computer game to film adaption is when they don't try and shoehorn in too much from a game that wouldn't really fit in our reality to our reality. So I thought they, and I said this in my review, I felt like the writers took a weight off their own shoulders by doing that prologue piece set on Sonic's planet. So you could see the loop-de-loops and the kind of craziness of him running around. And then it didn't mean that once we were on Earth that suddenly there had to be like Harley Quinn Highway in the middle of San Francisco. It meant that they could do that, represent the game really well, and then do something different without having to be beholden to the stuff that people are wanting to see. It would be like making a Mario film and having run around New York, like, head-biting blocks that Bong. don't exist. Kind of thing. That makes sense? Yeah. I thought the CGI was excellent. I thought Sonic was really well made, really well integrated into uh, all the live-action stuff. Can't fault any of the production from that aspect at all. I'd hope not. It's the second attempt. I know but that I actually really appreciate that and I think that helps the film in the long run that actually they showed that they really cared it wasn't like oh well we've done it now so you know you'll just take it as it is I think there was a there was a nice amount of reverence for the fact that people actually like Sonic the Hedgehog and like those games and wanted to see him done well what would be your hopes for a sequel well you're not really a big Sonic game player though are you see I was a Nintendo kid so I never I didn't get to play all that much on Sonic. It was only when I was at friends' houses who happened to have a Sega. Um, I actually would say more of the same because I think what was really nice to see was that it didn't try and... Um, how, am I, how do I want to say it? It didn't... So how I just said it wasn't... I didn't feel it was aimed at the similar market to Detective Pikachu, but it was aimed slightly younger. I didn't feel like it was aimed at a younger audience and trying to expose them to something that you would show to an older audience. So I think there's a difference between pitching a film at teenagers and pitching a film at kids, but trying to, in a childish way, show them what you would show a teenager. So there was no sort of risqueness. Like, there was nothing sexy. There was... I would hope not. There was nothing... But it wasn't even... you know, You know, like how people will complain that we don't let our kids be kids anymore and that they're exposed to some version of something that they shouldn't be when they're too young. This was a purely joyful film for kids. And I really appreciate that because I think it's nice. Let them be innocent. Let them enjoy some innocent, harmless fun. There wasn't too much peril. There wasn't any mild swearing. It was just joyful, childish fun. And just taking it slightly away from the film, I'd like to have a moment just to reflect with you. Okay. On some of your favourite Sonic games. Oh my god, okay. Uh, it would be like Sonic 1 and 2. They would be the, like probably the only ones that I've played. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. What were your favourite Sonic games? Oh god, all of them. I loved them. Uh, well, to be fair, I wasn't allowed to play Sonic 1 because it got a little bit heated in the house. You mean your mum threw the controller? Yeah, so I used to be like, oh, I'm, I'm stuck mum, can you help? And then she would just complete the whole thing. Oh bless. Yeah, so it's like, um, can I play my game? No! I'm not even sure... That Wait, I... I've not finished. Okay. So I would have to say sort of the original Sonic, definitely. Yep. But then some of the newer versions as well. So some of the GameCube iterations were some of my fondest Sonic memories. Okay. Do you ever play Sonic DX, Sonic Adventure? No. No. Don't think so. I quite like that one. I'm, I mean, I may have and wouldn't. 
it's not like Mario where I can say like you can show me one frame and I can go Mario one, Mario two, Mario three, okay. Super Mario. So I wouldn't really know. I know I've played, I know I've played one. I know I have played basic Sonic, um, and I have that on the D, uh, the DS on the on the Wii. No, what's it called? Switch. <laughs> I have that on the Switch. Um, I don't even know that I've played as a game where you can have more than Sonic. I don't know that I've even played like Sonic and Tails. Oh really? I, I mean, I know who they are. And I've seen the cartoons, but again, I just never owned... Have you never... This is my favourite one, so Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Have you never played that one? No. Nope. I'm showing you a picture. That's my favourite one. Okay. Whereas, like, because it's the opening scene where he's, like, running through the streets of San Francisco because it's all hilly and it's all pretty cool and... Oh, so San Francisco... Okay, so San Francisco has a relevance within yeah. the game world And there's, well. like, some elements where he's, he's doing, like, his, like, electric-y, shocky stuff. That's kind of more of the GameCube games as well. And why are you not leading on this as a clear expert in the world of Sonic? I'm not an expert. I just, I've played a lot of Sonic when I was younger. Or, you know, watched my mum play a lot of Sonic when I was younger. Okay, so... Uh, and then played a lot of it with my little cousin as well. Okay, so a question that I clearly should have asked you and didn't. Did you did this then echo enough of the game world of Sonic? I think so. I mean, I quite liked the nods to Green Hills. Yep. And I liked the... Yeah, it was pretty good. Do you know I wonder why I was so excited when Tails was at the end? I was like, oh my god, it's going to be Tails. Is it Tails? Is it Tails there? It's going to be Tails. Is it Tails? It is Tails. There we go then. That's why I was excited. No, because it's exciting. Well, that's good to know actually. I hadn't, completely hadn't appreciated that about you. I'm glad to know that it is a um, a well-adapted computer game film. Yes. I think so anyway. What would you score this out of 10? So I think I said 4 originally. You did, yeah. I think I loved it to a 5. Okay. Just because you've... It's like it's not bad. It's I reminisced just... about the games. Okay, it's all right. It's not really for me. Yeah, I gave this a six, and I will absolutely come back for a sequel, and I think you will too. How would this compare to like a sort of Transformers for you? Oh, I don't like Transformers. Yeah, just sort of. Try, I'm trying to think about adaptions that I've turned into a franchise. There aren't really any games. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Oh no, Dragon Ball Z. Ooh. It's difficult because there are so many different types of games, so I don't think you can really compare it to Tomb Raider. Street Fighter. I love Street Fighter. Good film. So bad, but so good. (laughs) That's probably a better comparison, though, because that whole, that Tomb Raider, the last Tomb Raider film was based on a game that was very cinematic and had a cinematic storyline, and I don't think you can compare that. It's not fair. You can't compare an 80s platformer to, like, a 2000s console epic. Anything else you want to say about Sonic? No, it was just it was all right. I quite, it was it was you know it's a nice. If it was on on a Sunday afternoon, I wouldn't yes. put it off. It's a Sunday afternoon family film, yeah. and definitely if you have kids, take them to go see it because they will honestly love it. Uh, so Sonic the Hedgehog is in cinemas from tomorrow, which is February the fourteenth, twenty twenty. If you're you know listening to us after that, it's either in cinemas now or you've got it on home video, depending how late down the line you're listening to this. We were supposed to be talking about the end of Arrow in this podcast. Oh, but really? I don't think I've got the energy for no, that. No, we've already rattled on for an hour and 20 mm. unedited, so we won't be doing that. That's probably best you don't ask me about the end of Arrow anyway. Well, I thought we could have quite a good debate about it. Not really. <laughs> um, all right, then, very quickly. Thoughts on the end of Arrow? Oh. I I thought it was nice. Um, at some point, we'll try and talk about it properly, maybe. I could have done without it. <laughs> But what I thought, um, I didn't think we'd have time to do a discussion topic this week just because I knew that Birds of Prey was going to be a, a long a long talk. But I thought we'd just wrap up uh, by you sharing some of your thoughts on trying to see me roller skate. 
Oh, it's hilarious, especially when the, the bouncer lady had to come and help you. So, uh, before we got to see Birds of Prey, we got invited along by Warner Brothers. Uh, thank you to the lovely Sarah from Warner Brothers, who always hooks us up. Um, to Harley Quinn's Roller Disco, which was a three-day event. Um, I shared a video of this on, on Twitter, which you may have seen. If not, go check it out. So, it was a three-day event that was open to the public. We got invited along to the opening night. Um, where we so we thought it was just going to be a roller disco so it's advertised as harley quinn's roller disco obviously she uses roller skates in the film uh she also does roller derby at one point in the film but actually it was uh a lot more than that impressively so uh, warner brothers know how to throw one hell of a party to celebrate a film release i have to say they really do in the last year we've been to a fun fair for shazam we've been to pikachu's fun house i've been chased through uh a maze of mirrors by Pennywise and I've been roller skating with Harley Quinn Four things I didn't think that I would have said I would ever have done in my life so you went in there was a bar with Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey themed cocktails I drank uh, two of each they were quite strong as well and I was necking them while you weren't looking so that was interesting uh, there was the usual photo op with uh, so on this occasion it was uh, there was one in front of the, the Birds of Prey logo in which I took some lovely photos with Nicola from We Have a Hulk uh, and there was oh I also took a picture of her with the mallet as well where she had the tiny mallet and I had the big mallet and then there was a glam station where they were doing glittery makeup or Harley Quinn style makeup for anyone that was there in the second room was another bar there was also a couple of fairground games like the hit the bell thing hammery what's it there was the roller skating uh, dance floor. There was uh, a photo op that was purely for people who were on the roller skates that I really wanted to do, but I couldn't skate well enough to do it. I mean, I could have pushed you. You could have, but you weren't allowed on there without roller skates. No. And then there was an upstairs like chill zone where there was Papa John's pizza, candy floss, and a pick and mix bar. Yeah. And we thought we were going to be there for like half an hour. And actually, I never wanted to leave. No. It was It was a happy place. But I did attempt to roller skate. You did. And I think I did all right. I went from one side of the room to the other by myself. Eventually. Little baby steps. (laughs) Uh, The usual crowd of miscreants was there. So Geek of Steel, Kibler was there, Ben, DCTV, Paul from DC World, uh, James, who writes for us, was there as well, with a couple of the FanFest crew. Uh, Nicola was there because where do we go without Nicola? Sadly, Chris wasn't there because uh, I believe the conversation went, do you want to go roller skating? No. It's a sensible man. With a lovely singing voice. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, it was alright. It was Again, it was, it was a work night, so you were a bit like, Oh my god, you're making me go out on a work night. I know, it was very stressful. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. A Monday as well. It was like the worst day. I know. Yeah, it was it was okay. I didn't roll the skate because I, I struggle with walking sometimes, so I didn't think you that and Nicola it. decided not to do the roller skating. Well, at least Nicola put them on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, and I completely agree with her, when you got the skates, there was a bench for you to sit on to put the roller skates on, and that bench was essentially a plank of wood on the floor. So to try and stand up in roller skates is not easy, even for probably somebody who's fairly you know, well-versed at roller skating. Well, and plus they had all the professionals there, like... They're so heavy. Flippity, flippity, and Yes, they, break were, they were professional dancers as well as a DJ on the dance floor. There so there's wheels everywhere. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to yes. that. Was it fun to watch me make a fool of myself? Always is. <laughs> you took some lovely photos. Well, thank you. I managed to get them up high when I was having some free pizza. <laughs> so, what was your favourite part of the whole thing? 
pizza's always, free pizza's always a bonus. Pick a mix. Pick a mix is always, especially Ooh. with the little bags. Yes, birds of prey uh, yeah. Bags. So there were birds of prey um, sweet bags, and we got tote bags as and we well. Got tote bags as well. Yeah, it was very exciting. Hand printed there and then. I know that was cool. Screen printers very, yeah. in the room. Yeah. It was lovely and warm. It was very warm in there. It was basically a nightclub. It was like Harley Quinn's nightclub. Well, it was a nightclub. Uh, well, I mean, it is a nightclub normally, yes. Yeah. But no, quite like it. It was, an all, it was an all-rounder. Lots of different things to do. Very interactive. It's pretty cool. Interesting uh, going to that kind of press night just because of the amount of... Like, when you say press night, I'm sure you think of like our little crowd of, of friends that we do this with. And that was, like, part us. Oh, I also got to meet Chester at last. Pajama Boy Wonder from the Instagrams. Lovely guy that he is. The Instagrams. Yes. Down with the kids. Um, but it was like, I wouldn't even say it was 50-50. It was like one third us, two thirds like fashion and like culture bloggers. Yeah, I wouldn't say culture. Sure. Well, Cult- maybe pop mod modern culture. I yeah, don't exactly. Underst- I don't understand the modern culture. That, that's what I meant. Like people who are down with like trendy Which, things. Down with not the children. like comics. <laughs> like they might like comic book movies, but they like comic book movies and trap music, and they know how to dress to get pictured. Don't don't drop that word and like you know what it means. I do know what it means. It's a style of music from America that heavily features split bass drum action. Um, and has a specific like beat that's driven by this strange drumming. Googling. I'm not googling right now. I googled it the other day. Yeah, down with the children. You know what um, I mean, though. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I suppose because it's the because it's the album and the style yes. and all that stuff, it makes sense to have. Like, you don't invite us to an event for us to be photographed. <laughs> you invite us to an event for us to promote it amongst our people. Then you invite the people who are pretty to have their picture taken. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's how I would put it. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Was there? There were some Love Island people there. I think there were Love Island people there. Yes, I'm not, I'm, I don't watch it. So Me neither. I but I got it from the Instagram story. Oh, okay. what I generally do is go on the Instagram story for Warner Brothers afterwards, see who they tag, and then look them up on Tinterwebs. Ah, okay. <laughs> that's how I learn who these people are. That makes sense. But it's great when you're talking to them because they're like, you're talking to me like I'm completely normal. And I'm like, I, as far as I know, you are. Because <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> Did you write a comic book? Are you in this film? No? Okay, I'll just chat to you. Anything else you would like to say about this Harley Quinn event before we wrap up? Other than thank you to Sarah and Warner Brothers for inviting us. Nope, just that. It was good fun. Uh, look forward to seeing what they do for Wonder Woman 1984. I'm, I'm going to sense it's maybe something to do with the 80s. Yes. Uh, gonna have to get your shoulder pads out for that one. Oh, they've never gone away. <laughs> that about wraps things up for episode thirty-one of the Geico podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's episode thirty-one. Yes, and I turned thirty-one a couple of weeks ago. You ah, oh, you did thirty-one for thirty-one. Oh, look at that! Happened by accident. It's this yes. recording, not me turning thirty-one. That's been planning for the last thirty years. Yes. Uh, we can tell the people at home all about what we did for your birthday if you want. We went out with the Hulks. We went uh, to... Oh, just, just listen to the Hulks podcast. Actually, it's true. Go listen to We Have a Hulk. They tell you all about what we did <laughs> for Martin's birthday. It. They do it better than we do. Um, what are we going to be talking about in a couple of weeks when we come back? I have no idea. I just Me neither. Uh, we might... Oh, well, we've watched Sabrina. 
We've got Lock and Key to watch. You've got Hunters coming out on Amazon Prime, which I'm really looking forward to, which is a Jordan Peele thing. You might not watch it. It might be a little bit on the horrorish side. Um, more Picard, the end of Harley Quinn, uh, the animated Ooh. Harley Quinn. We should really do a comic review. We've not done that. We haven't done a comic review in probably like two months. So let's try and do a comic focus next time around. I'm trying to think if there's any films in the next couple of weeks, which is really silly because it's over your shoulder. Um what we got Sonic out on the 14th Invisible Man out on the 28th probably if we'll be recording before then got Quiet Place 2 coming up in March then it's rolling into James Bond time no time to die that's not until April so you know that's definitely not the next podcast Uh, I digress it's getting late and I'm tired thank you for listening my name is Neil thank you as always say goodbye Martin goodbye Ah, you didn't do it. Martin. You didn't let me finish. We didn't, we we, we don't, you can't have two traditions. You can't have hello Martin, goodbye Martin. It's Mm. one or the other really, isn't it? Uh, And from Ollie, who has just jumped up on the table and is now purring, he also says goodbye. Well, I think he's saying, uh, feed me. Uh, The the face that he's giving me says feed me. So until next time, bye. Bye.